Hey, this is Brendan Carrion from the Shadow Sworn Radio Hour and Full Metal RPG. Before the show starts, I just want to pop in and let you guys know that we are taking the Shadow Sworn Radio Hour and we are going to be folding it into Full Metal RPG. So now, once a month or so, there's going to be a special episode called FM RPG Presents the Shadow Sworn Radio Hour. And that'll be available on the FM RPG feed. So. If you subscribe to Shadow Run Radio Hour just on the Shadow Run Radio Hour RSS feed, please take a second and go subscribe to Full Metal RPG. Um, I hope that you'll like that show as well. Uh, we hope that everybody will go ahead and make it over there. And we'll go ahead and make this announcement like maybe one more time just so that we get everybody. Uh, again, that's uh, Shadow Run Radio Hour is now going to be part of Full Metal RPG uh, in earnest. Um, thanks for listening, and without further ado, here's the show. This, uh, I think that we're a little bit late in releasing this one. I usually try to keep it like once a month, like like, like thirty days on the head, but it's been a little bit longer than that. Uh, yeah, I was I was out of town for a little bit too, so that oh, definitely the, didn't help. Dude, it's not even that. I mean, the thing is, is probably once I once this is recorded and kind of like in the bag, I think I'm I'm probably gonna have to sit on it a little bit because we're gonna we have I have another interview for Full Metal RPG lined up. Oh, nice. Um, so speaking of Full Metal RPG, uh. At this point, I'm feeling kind of like a little bit like we're hurting ourselves by having the Shadow Sworn stuff so separate from the Full Metal stuff. And um, I'm just going to start working the Shadow Sworn Radio Hour into the Full Metal RPG RSS feed. Okay. Um, and uh, it's just going to be called Full Metal RPG Presents the Shadow Sworn Radio Hour. So if you're listening to this, like, uh, we're going to keep doing the. Um, you know, SRH like feed for a while, but please do go over and subscribe to Full Metal RPG, um, which is going to be really the home of this show, so that we can kind of consolidate. I, I think it's just, I was like running like all these different like social media accounts for them. Right. It's just, it's just better to have everything under one roof. This right. This is now. a slightly more focused than a uh, more focused podcast than Full Metal RPG. Full Metal RPG is kind of just RPG in general yeah. and fantasy, and this is more Chronicles of Darkness, uh, World of Darkness centric. So yeah, I, I can understand making it a subset of FMRPG. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think it'll work, and it'll... Anyway, I've labored the point too much. Anyway, th- th- that's really the point. If you're only subscribed to this one, please go over to Full Metal RPG, subscribe there, um, so that you can keep getting these episodes. Right. And hopefully you enjoy the other show, too. Um, Correct. And it's like Darker Days, because they have a couple sub sub podcast too yeah yeah our, our friends at darker days have basically showed me the way on that where they have a couple they have those darkling episodes that they do and some other stuff um so what brings us together today adam besides you know camaraderie and uh that sort of thing today we want to do a little bit of world building exploration we're going to be talking about antagonists uh how you build them how you use them what it means you know what is an antagonist yeah yeah like i mean um like I, I I don't claim to be any sort of great like authority on stuff. So, but I, I I'm always interested in hearing what other GMs' processes are. So that's basically just why I'm here is to just share my process. Right. Do you want? I mean, you want to go ahead and get started? Like, kind of talk so, about. Uh, yeah, the the classical definition of an antagonist is a is a person that stands in the way of what the characters want, right? So it, he's mm. a, he is a he is a person who is essentially there to to antagonize or thwart the characters, right? Uh, but it doesn't necessarily just have to be a person. There's other types of antagonists you can use. You don't have to have it be, you know, hands 
Gruber, Gruber. Alan Rickman, <laughs> and from Die Hard, and you know, well, well, Mr. McLean, you don't yeah. need that guy. Are you talking about all of the villains from my first uh, vampire games? <laughs> that was all of the villains from everybody's first vampire games, I think, was... Was that diehard, you know, Hans Gruber, the ha ha, yeah, the sneering European guy? Yeah. Look at me, I I have a I have a very set diction, and I talk <laughs> like this. Hashtag the nineties. Yeah. Hashtag the nineties. Rest in peace, Alan Rickman. You were you were one of the greats. Um, true original there, but yeah. So it, it doesn't have to be that, right? But it can be. So looking at it, that that's the easiest one to start with is. Just an individual, a a badass or a or a guy who stands in the way of the characters, right? That that's like a, a classic fallback for everybody. The the mastermind. It who, is the mastermind. Who answers and you to see all the that other a guys. lot in the genre, right? Like you see Vecna and you see, you know, um Sure. You know, the prince or you see whoever it is, you know, there's that guy, that monolithic guy who's the the plague from hackers. Oh, the plague. I'm the plague, and I ride a skateboard, and I'm yeah. just a bad guy, and I'm better than all of the heroes until I'm not. Right. There's that guy, right? You can you can go that route, and that's a perfectly acceptable way to go. The thing to bear in mind when you're designing your antagonist is um, he should want something. He shouldn't just exist to counter the players. He shouldn't just exist to be evil, right? Like, there are very few people who are out there who are just evil for evil's sake, you know, that werewolf sense of the worm or whatever, like I'm just going to be evil because I'm a bad guy. And that's what I do. Um, the most compelling, the most compelling antagonists for me are the ones who want something. Uh, they have a goal and they don't necessarily think of themselves as evil, right? Like they're just out to oh, God, get something no. for themselves. Especially within the context of the world of darkness slash Chronicles of darkness. Um, I think it's, the, what I always take into the process of antagonist design is the idea that on some level the characters of the Chronicle are also supposed to be antagonists. I mean, I feel like there's this part of that game that almost that all should go without saying. You're supposed to be playing a monster. But the way that a lot of role players play is they want to be heroic. They want to they want to have heroic things to do. And um that's still a trope of the genre, though, because the film noir hero, even though he may be like a hard-hitting, you know, broken-nosed alcoholic or whatever, is still objectively the hero. You know, yeah. like Marv is is a bad guy in Sin City. He's still the hero of so, that story, right? So, I mean, I think I think it's good to talk about it rather than as heroes and villains. We're starting off with the right vocabulary, right. which is protagonist and, and antagonist. antagonist. Correct. So, I mean, I think that there's. There should be, the 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 setting should always be rife with antagonists, and that they that on some level they should be hard to kind of spot. You know what I'm saying? Like it, like they can be. I mean, so sometimes it it makes sense to have an antagonist. You can have subtle antagonists, and they're great. Like I like subtle antagonists a lot. Um, there is something to be said though, just for like you know, blatantly very obvious antagonists. Like in Harry Potter. Um, oh, what the fascist wizard Voldemort guy. is like a very obvious antagonist. You know, you got Dolores Umbridge. She's a very obvious antagonist. Um, and I would argue she may not even necessarily be the antagonist so much as the system or the institution is is the antagonist. And we'll talk about that a little bit no, later. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you don't necessarily need to have it be a person. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay, okay. Um, but you can have a direct antagonist or a subtle antagonist either one works but they should definitely have something they want they you know almost never believe that they're evil they they're no. doing something for a reason right definitely and they need not. to have a reason why they act the way that they do otherwise they come off as just crazy and kind of one dimensional your your antagonist yeah. should have a, you know a reason that it exists a reason that he or she is the way that she is. And sometimes it's interesting because in the middle of the game, your antagonists, your players can side with them. And then the people that right. they had been working with before can become the antagonists just based on shifting loyalties and the, and the flow of the narrative. That's the thing that I really like about um, the Chronicles of Darkness, World of Darkness um, kind of setting is that the idea of who is the antagonist is fluid. 
right. based on the motivations of your character. And that happened in a game I played in with you, which was Atlanta, where the mm. Giovanni were supposed to be the antagonists. Yeah. And we all ended up just realizing these guys have their shit together. <laughs> yeah. Um, they have a goal, <laughs> and we like them a lot better. I ended up siding with them because my character was a medium, and it just made a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, I had just been getting abused by the other side, and I was like, forget it. Like, why would I want to help these guys? I'm going to go join up with these dudes. I, I, I have a problem in general when I'm supposed to be running something like a Camarilla archetypal structure or an Invictus archetypal structure where um, my just natural kind of, like, hatred for, um, like, kind of, like... All pre- authority. <laughs> yeah, authority <laughs> and preening hierarchies. Yep. Like, I can't help but portray these groups as being sort of like um like these James Spader in an 80s movie kind of like like sadistic uh uh prep prep school guys right and to a certain extent they are so that gets into the idea of an antagonist as an institution right mm. so you don't necessarily have to have your antagonist be a person it can be an institution it can be the invictus you know the sheriff isn't a bad guy cuz he's the sheriff and he's there to stop you from doing whatever it was you were doing um but he can still be an antagonist. He can still go, well, you killed this vampire and you weren't given any permission to do it by an elder. So now I have to bring you in. Now I yeah. have to bring you before the prince. Now, none of them are bad. They're just doing their job, right? They're taking you and they're holding you accountable. Um, <laughs> but that can still be an antagonist, right? They can still, the characters well, still don't want to have mean, to come to grips with what they did. I mean, uh, wow. We're already into the. We're already into this, like the whole. I mean, I I don't know the if the I was just following orders, um, uh, question really absolves you of your own like moral culpability. Like, I mean, the yeah, but sheriff, from the standpoint like, of if you're if you go out and you because player characters love to kill other vampires. If you oh, go out yeah. and you kill another vampire, and they don't know anything about why you did it or what was going on behind the scenes, they still have to bring you in. And you are still going to do everything in your power to avoid being drugged before the prince to answer for your crimes. I have had plenty of player characters who have been the bad guys in the cities. They've been <laughs> one man or, you know, five man hit squads or whatever it is. Yeah. Rolling through the hierarchy, executing everybody. And of course, to them, they're like, hey, we're good guys. We're taking out the trash. But to everybody else in the city, that has to be goddamn terrifying that there's this roving pack of neonates or Ansela or whatever. Sure. That are essentially upending the entire established hierarchy and you know acting as a death squad taking suckers out that's that is a terrifying prospect to go through well yeah and now i have more details about the situation the the and that context like provides uh, right. a fuller flavor of what's happening but it's here. still the establishment but, is their enemy in the, that, st- in the, that the, situation but the thing is is that like the the sheriff is not necessarily a bad guy. I mean, he might be. He might not be. It really doesn't matter if he is or not. Because if he's a good guy or a bad guy, he's still going to do the same thing. He's still going to call you in to answer for your crimes. He's well, still going to go, hey. I guess it depends on how good of a sheriff he is it's at true. that point. <laughs> yeah. Are we talking, he, you know. Is he a good sheriff or is he a sort of, you know, rough around the edges? Right. Is he Barney Pfeiffer or Theo Bill? Oh, God. guy ever. Oh, no. Stop. <laughs> Why did we have to bring that up? Because uh, he is the ultimate idea. He is the ultimate uh, personification to me of uh, authority as the antagonist. He just rolls around really? as an archon and does whatever the hell he wants. But he uses his badge of office as a rubber stamp for it, right? He's just like, my authority is the antagonist here. I do what I want. Uh, I I guess I haven't really examined the Theo Bell character closely enough to to necessarily like see it that way. I, Count I, yourself lucky. I, I feel like... I mean, my, my 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 relationship with that character is complicated. Never liked him. Never cared much for him. He's a he's a pretty big walking, talking stereotype, and it's yeah. objectively well, I don't know. It's subjectively very awful. Objectively, uh, hackneyed. Mm. So yeah. Um. So anyway, where were we? What what what? We were talking about uh, just the different types of antagonists. So we had gone over direct antagonists. Sure. Um, Which is the uh, most obvious thing that you can do. It is. It's, it's the most obvious thing you can do. I like them to to have a reason to exist, and it's always good if you can make them kind of suave. Uh, you know, you want them to have a flair so that they stand out, that they're sure. memorable. 
I think that like the classic kind of archetype you might kind of uh, dissect to really kind of get this idea is the Joss, what Joss Whedon did in the 90s and the early 2000s with the Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show. And he, he, he coined this sort of terminology around that concept. And you hear it called, you, you, I, I find it to be kind of cringing to hear these words, so I'm not going to relish the fact that I'm saying them, but you hear this idea of the big bad, right? Like almost like the boss character that... That, that a season of a show kind of revolves around their machinations and yeah. their goals. Players have a tendency to want to like try to kill that guy as early as possible, which yeah. is never a good idea. Yeah, I mean, um, to me, I always think of like I said, I always think of Hans, or I always think of um, I can't even remember his name, Gary Oldman in The Professional. Oh, sure, sure, Gary yeah. Oldman in anything. Uh, Gary Oldman, in, like I think of that type of character, you know, because yeah. I always enjoy watching those guys work, and I always. I, I find myself rooting for them, even though they're objectively, they're the bad guy, right? But right. you still root for them because they're cool. They make it look good. Um, so, 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 so what are some of the other types you want to identify? So then there's the subtle antagonist. And the subtle antagonist can take, take a couple of different forms. It's somebody working against the character who they don't necessarily know is working against them, right? Or it's the idea of mystery. Like, we don't necessarily know mm. what we're after, what we're looking for. Okay. That doesn't even have to be a person. That can just be, we don't have the data we need to draw the conclusions right. that we need. And mystery can be an antagonist. Yeah. You can also have it just, they don't know who it is. Um, this is like Count Yokalo in the Giovanni Chronicles. Right. So you can just have someone who is working against the characters. They don't necessarily know who it is. They don't know anything about them. They just they just know someone's working against them. And it can be an ally or someone they thought is an ally. Sure. Uh, it could be someone that they haven't even met. There's a bunch of different ways you can run with it. With the ally one, um, it, it pays to be careful with that because a lot of players can – get upset about that if they you know at the end of the game you're just haha you've been working for the enemy the entire time it's all been part of his machinations well you've been you know unwittingly I, doing his bidding i feel like that's part of the um conversation of, of player buy-in it really is, is but you can't you can't have that conversation with them before you do it you have to lay that groundwork out well in advance which is why it helps to have a group that you know so you can yeah. do that yeah you can't just go hey in the next game um there's going to be an someone you think is an ally and he's going to turn on but you are you guys okay with that you can't I, have the, that conversation before you of, run it. of like of like betrayal and of like hidden infiltrators and stuff i feel is seamlessly woven into the world of darkness it and that really if is. you've read one of those books and you sit down at the table you are implicitly consenting to playing that type of game that's just me and i and trust me man i've had my there's a lot of stuff that i thought players were implicitly consenting to that it turns out that they actually weren't <laughs> consenting to you know where I don't the, know about this. Like, this issue of buy-in has really become to the forefront with me lately in my gaming because I try to be a communicative guy. And, and as anybody who listens to this show knows, I'm loquacious as fuck. I'll sit there and chew your ear off for hours. People are, are always trying to get me to shut up so they can leave politely. But with all the communication I do, I still somehow manage to miss the mark on communicating to people what the essence of a game is about. And... Uh, so, you so don't always know, though, because I've had games that have shifted as I've run them. You know, it's it, yeah. that's the nature of collaborative storytelling. I, the players have as much influence on the story as I do, sometimes more. I just don't know how a person could read Vampire the Masquerade core book or Vampire the Requiem core book and sit down <laughs> and, and be I like, I'm, I'm not, I don't understand. A lot understand. of the people that we've played with have never read these books. Like, they have not <laughs> sat down. Like, I've read them cover to cover. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you have, oh. but have the other people we played with read them cover to cover? Hmm. I doubt it. Hmm. I've had a bunch of people agree to play games with me that they have no experience with. They're like, sure, I'll play Wraith. I don't know anything about Wraith. Then we get into it, and they go, well, man, this is a depressing game. And I yeah. go, well, yeah, what did you think we were going to be doing? And they're just, well, I don't know. I just thought it was, you know, like Vampire, except we're no. ghosts. No, it's not. And it's not. So there is that, you know. I mean, I'm not going to go like, hey, I'm going to run a game, and here's a 350-page reading assignment before I start, um, because <sighs> we'll end up playing six months later, if at all, because most of them won't, won't finish it. It's... That's that is a serious issue that I've encountered. Wow. Um, well, you know, um, what, what what's ca caveat emptor, man? 
I, all, yeah. all I have to say. Yeah. And in that case, you know, it's the players were... being the antagonists, right? <laughs> They're making my job difficult. <laughs> well, as, as, as GMs, uh, I think right. we both tend to see the players as antagonists a lot. And remember how there used to be a day when it was like sort of like implied that the GM was sort of an antagonist? Yeah. And that, that day is like long gone by the wayside. As we've seen like the steady power creep and like what players are, are supposed to be playing. It has. Uh, and... I don't know that that's necessarily wrong, right? Like, generally speaking, I agree with you. If you just want a GM you. to be an antagonist, like play a tactical combat simulator, but, and I'll run the bad guys, and you can run the good guys, and I'll be an antagonist. But what, what, what's different though is that I think it's swung too far in the other direction because there was that time. Okay, there was literally a time when in the Cyberpunk 2020 um, like GM's guide, there was a, a section in it where it induced you as a as a storyteller as a GM to like wear mirror shades so that while playing so that the players couldn't see your eyes and to at random points in the game like strike another player like just to, to impose your will on them and to keep them like ever ever on their toes against what <laughs> like you, actually physically yeah, hit to them. physically strike them I mean, and we we've come so far from that now. Yeah, I I can't say I buy into that. Like, yeah, I, I played in a group that was very much like that, and it was really really sucked. That so awful. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that I'm just not like I'm not sad to see that go away. But like when I'm playing D and D five, and as the fucking like uh, GM, I feel like. I am the mole in a whack-a-mole game, and like that is my fucking role to be there as some kind of like dancing clown to get bulldozed the by the players. The goal is to make sure everyone has fun, and, and you know it's. I I think challenge is fun, and I don't understand this new generation of gamers who don't find challenge to be fun. They is find... it a new generation of gamers though? Because there are plenty of min-maxers in our generation who think their entire job is to break the game and make you know essentially a godlike combat machine who that's been going on for years that's not anything but, to do with the generational even, you shift you don't even have to well, we're way off topic now but you don't even have to like like break the game in order to build one of these like wheat thresher characters anymore you know that you they're the characters are the, just built the thing that was, way was they were always there it's always been there so i don't know that just going hey you know what if you want to be like a god gamer or a power gamer go right ahead and do that that's fine, because I, as I've run games, I got to the point where I stopped worrying about people breaking their characters that way, and just going, hey, you know what? If you want to run a broken character and you want to turn every combat session into like the reaping, be my <laughs> guest. Like, go ahead, because you know what? No one else is going to have any fun, and so if that is your idea of what you're going to do, like you're going to have to answer to the other players. And ultimately, I've had other players, you know, call people out where they're just like, well, I don't really feel like I get to yeah. do anything. Like, yeah. I. Your 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 groups are more democratic than mine. Um, but this does kind of uh 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 sw swing back around into the notion of like what an antagonist is. Right. And it can safely be said that antagonists, one of their defining characteristics is that they are less powerful than the player characters. That that that, uh, that, that in aggregate, yes. In aggregate. In aggregate, in the aggregate. player characters are always more powerful. The sum of the parts yes. is greater than the whole. Um, you still need to have a strong antagonist. You can't have a guy who, if the player characters roll up on him, is just, hey, no, no. He has to be individually nor would very, I, very powerful. Nor would I like ever say that. You right. Had to have and, that. and again, that's assuming that you're going with an individual. If you have yeah. a monolithic bureaucracy or a mystery, you don't really need to care about the power level because you can't. You know, it doesn't matter how much level, you know, how many levels of potence uh, a character has. He can't beat the truth, you know, out of a mystery. Uh, well, well, uh, hold on. A, a mystery must be, must have a certain level of power inside of it in order to counteract the efforts of the players to plumb its depths and then re reveal it, you see? So especially when you start dealing with characters that have, like, high levels of things like Auspex and Thaumaturgy, other weird shit that perhaps I'm not even thinking of right now. That's a difference. Uh, I would say in my games, I rarely had a problem with characters who wanted to, or, or with players who wanted to build characters who had high levels of Auspex of and Auspex. Thaumaturgy. The thing is, is it was can... almost always celerity, <laughs> potence, <laughs> fortitude. Well, when you have characters that are very, very direct like that, then... um. Then yeah, and definitely like in the late high school, early college days, 
most of my players were kind of like, look at me, I got Protean plus a bunch of physical disciplines. But then through those old systems of Diablerie where um, you got discipline powers just by nature of like uh, Diablerizing somebody, people started being like, oh, hey, I got all these points of fucking Auspex. What do they do? And they started flipping in there and like looking at what the, what the reads were on particular discipline powers. And they're right. like, oh, holy shit, I can just like teleport around the world and like just look at see things. Auspex like, is amazing. There dude, were a lot dude, of those, all of those powers shit. were individually amazing, but eh. If you have characters who are going around as an unchecked Diablery squad, it, it's probably time to bring in some Justicars or someone to put that in check. Like, there, there are entire a new this, set of again, antagonists. Institution. This is an institutional antagonist. There's an entire institution whose belief is, "Hey, Diablery is wrong, and you shouldn't do that shit." Well, yeah. And they will gladly come in and put the hurt on anyone who thinks like, "Well, you know, the point of this game." is to eat people's souls and gain their powers, you know? Because that was one of the things in your Full Metal RPG podcast yeah, John that I Wick, heard John right? Wick said that I said, I think he fundamentally misunderstands what this game is about. Because uh, he did say it's a game about, you know, eating other vampires and gaining their powers. And I, it's, I, I, I don't that, think it is. I, I think he completely... Um, you know, discounts the Camarilla and the Justicars and all of that, the Prince and Blood Hunts. You know, I, that, I, that I, stuff exists to put a check on there. The thing is, is that is that what he said is that the rules give you incentives to do those things. And it, the game becomes about that the because rules that's what might, the rules but incentivize. The flavor text and the uh, entire. But, that, but that's what he was saying is that there was a disconnect between what the what the manual said it was about versus what the rules actually promoted, and that's why he's he can. That's why he was nominated vampire. I guess to that, vampires I, I guess being to like that extent, he would say you know infernalism is great because infernalism gives you a bunch of cool powers. The rules would really encourage you to become an infernalist. The game system, however, not the game the system, ga the game setting would encourage you not to do that because there are entire groups of people dedicated to hunting your ass down and putting you out in the sunlight. I don't think that the infernalism rules gave you powers that were all that great. Um, I mean, I think that, like, you could, if, like, considering, like, okay, if, if we take for granted what you're saying is correct, that the, the, the there's these um, societal imperatives to weed out infernalists, right? right? So... Uh, that would reduce the value of those disciplines. You could do, you could, you could find disciplines that were allowed and appreciated by society that would do much better stuff without the risk. Demonic packs give you free points, from what I remember, free points well. to spend on stuff. Like you don't have to spend it on demonic <laughs> powers; you just spend it on whatever you want. Here. You can go, hey demon, I give you my soul, and I want to level my dominate up to like seven. You Here, know? He Here's the here's the here's the ultimate nerd question, which is what edition are we talking about? Right. Because Storyteller's Handbook to the Storyteller's Guide to the Sabbath, or Storyteller's Handbook to the Sabbath or whatever, which is what introduced the first infernalism rules I'm aware of, has the demonic pacts in it. And I don't remember and they're them being very good. They're not very good. They <laughs> but, got a lot better yeah. as time went on. Like as time went on, there was that question of, well, how? Why would anyone be an infernalist? Why yeah, would you? Exactly. And they started really ramping that up to be like, well, here's the reasons why. So mechanically, it would reward you for being an infernalist. Now, would I recommend that as a course of action for any player? No, because the game world is designed to root those people out you and see, kill them. You see, I wouldn't recommend it for player characters, not because the game world is against you, because I think it's entirely possible as a character to have those powers. And to insinuate yourself into the society in such a way that either like no one suspects you or that you're just able to get away with it constantly. What I would say the downside of infernalism is supposed to be is that you essentially make yourself a slave to another being, and then that guy basically owns you. And yeah, I mean, and there's so many vampires that are trying to avoid though, that. There's rules about about with aspects. Like even the lowliest neonate with like aspects level two can tell you're a diablerist, right? Like, oh, click on Orisite. Sure. Um, oh, he's got black veins in his aura. This guy's obviously a Diablerist. Yeah, but then, You're like, never going to survive a meeting with the Tremere Primogen. He will just be like, oh, yeah, you're a Diablerist. Um, Lore of the Flames. You know, you like, see, I'm uh, just going to light you up. Do you really think that Vampire Society would be that black and white and binary? I think the Camarilla is. I think they have a very hardline stance against Diablerist. At the, at, at the, okay, so at the best you have that same slavery question because there's going to be a guy who's going to come up to you and go, Hey, so I know you're a Diablerist and 
I could go and tell the prince, and we could get a blood hunt, or you could just do whatever I want. Like, like I can make you my servant. I mean, here's the thing. Like, um, I think that if you presume that the institution is what it says it is, then you're right. But I think that what is fundamentally interesting about the vampire setting in both games is that the institution is not what it says it is. And oh, it doesn't, for sure. It doesn't but I'm not actually even saying the institution in, what it says in that case. You just need one guy who has aspects to go, I know what you are. And I will tell everybody if you don't do exactly what I say. But, but that's but that's only if like the prince actually gives a shit about any of, about about the traditions and stuff. Because I mean, how many times have any you, okay, prince dude, is going to be a paranoid is going to be super paranoid. Dude, if you tell dude. him there's a diablerist right. in his domain, a guy who wants to drink other vampire souls and gain their power, who's the most powerful person in the domain usually? Dude, dude. the prince. Well, so I mean, he, he has to he's be. got a big giant target painted on he's his got forehead. Wolf claws. So if he lets diablery go unchecked, he's basically just saying hey come eat me i'm not gonna do anything about it okay l- let me kick it to you like this sure all right you and i have both in the, been in the workforce for way longer than either one of us want to admit right and we have both worked for fucking fortune 500 companies mm-hmm. right and we both have had that experience of like reading the, the employee handbook and being told by a supervisor how it is and then you look around the office or whatever and you're like that ain't how it is because because the GM has his pet guys and my supervisor has her pet people and they all form a clique for this reason and they get to be in a clique for that reason and I have to figure out how I relate to these cliques and how I fucking fit in and how I'm useful to them and stuff and it doesn't have anything to fucking do with the employee handbook. But you even just throw that shit the fuck out. Even the worst you know leadership that I've seen, when there is a power hungry person in the organization kicks that person in the teeth as hard as they can to dissuade them from coming after their position. You know, you basically have to ingratiate yourself to them. And that's the only way I've seen it work. There has been, there's never been a situation I've witnessed where it's been documented or known, Hey, this guy's gunning for a higher position in this org where, you know, the guy above him was okay with it. Or the guy above him didn't do everything in his power to keep that guy from going after him. My, my, my whole point is that, in turn, by the time you are of sufficient generation or age or power or whatever to be on the primogen council or to be the prince, I bet you those guys all go to sit down for a meeting and they all click on like fucking Auspex One or whatever and they all see Dialdor's veins in each other. And I don't know how you could be a vampire who's that age and that powerful and not have done it at least once. And so it's like this That's con- a possibility so, too. So that's, that's a different thing. That's it. where you've got a council of thieves. That's how that's right? how I always so run it. But that's how I run vampires. Right. It's a, but I will it's, tell it's you the, the society books, of murderers. The core books usually don't have a lot of diablerists in them. If you read the city books and all of the fluff material and all of that, there's no. not a ton of yeah, diablery going on. But we've on. already said that those city books are I know, but I'm just saying questionable. Th- again, the setting and the way that it's been presented don't necessarily back that view up. Yeah, yeah. But, well, anyway, so that's <laughs> antagonist from that standpoint, yeah, right? Yeah. So we have, you know, this mystery as an antagonist. They don't know what's going on. Um, they have to go out. They need knowledge, so they have to go find it. They've got to chase down leads. Um, so that can be an antagonist. You've got the direct antagonist, the most simple form, the guy who's, hey, sure, sure. I'm here to get a thing and you want to stop me or I'm here to prevent you from getting a thing you want um, and you need to stop me or, you know, you need to you need to get it and I will try to thwart you and ultimately fail. And I think Tarantino films have a lot of that in them where there's, you know, a direct antagonist. Yeah. I mean, I think that the um, genre of film in general, supports the direct antagonist very easily. There's also a subtle antagonist in film, though, like Usual Suspects. Sure, um, sure. And Mystery. Mystery can be an antagonist. Like sure. Shutter Island, um, Inception. There's plenty of, yeah, no, of no. films where Mystery is an antagonist. And that's another thing I'd recommend to people is mine television, mine films, mine novels, mine short stories. Find things that you really like in them and borrow them, steal them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. rework I, them. Don't, don't, you know, for God's sakes, don't take. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Adam sees where I'm going here. Which an is... antagonist directly from a movie and drop him and be like, this is, um, you know, man's Huber. And he's did, did, out I to told steal you, I told the you bank the story? notes from the 
Jackatomi building. Like, don't on, do that on New Year's Eve. Yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> Wait, Please don't do that. Okay, have I ever told this this story? I was I when I went to California, I was doing a little bit of gaming out there. Okay, I tried my very first. I, I didn't know anybody. I tried to get in gaming to like meet some people. And I went to this World of Darkness game, and it was being run by essentially a very, very well-known um, World of Darkness gaming um, crew. All right. It, does it rhyme with Ecking Crew? No. Okay. No. Because they're a very well-known. They one. are. They are. But they're Arizona. This was in California. They are. Okay. Anyway, so um, I'm 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 out there, and I'm sitting at this table, and I'm playing this game, and this guy's describing what's going on. And he's describing these buildings. And he's describing these characters, and I'm like, God, this seems so familiar. And like, the, the first thing, the first thing that hit me off was like, I've done enough. This this is a Victorian era game, and I've done enough like research on the Victorian era in like England or whatever to, to kind of have a, a very very basic understanding of what's going on with their architecture. And I'm like, this doesn't sound like fucking Victorian era like London architecture. This sounds like something you'd see somewhere else. I'm like, God, where? Why does this all sound so familiar? And then I realized. He was running this group of anarchs in a vampire game that were the Paper Street Soap Company from Fight Club. And he was actually just sitting there, like, imagining Fight Club. And whenever somebody asked him, like, what do I see over there? He'd just think about what he saw in Fight Club. And then he would kind of doll it up a little bit in, like, Victorian stuff. And he was just he, I mean, he was just taking it straight off the screen. And I mean, at that game, at that point in the game, I basically was ready to just like snap my pencil and like put it down on the like I'm out, I'm leaving. The first rule of Pugilist Club is thou shalt <laughs> not talk about Pugilist Club. <laughs> the second rule of Pugilist Club. Well, that would have been better. <laughs> that uh, that's been what better. I'm envisioning. Just no, like guys yeah. with handlebar mustaches with the with their arms up, like huzzah, no, bully, it, bully, no, bully. No, I mean, just, what, what, I, I don't no, want to run this guy down like too much was, in case he's listening, but like. Like I, I suspect he's not, but in it case he is, hilarious. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I wish it had been that flavorful. I was it, because because it was almost kind of like. Did you ever watch that movie like A Knight's Tale with like Heath Ledger, where it was like the most anachronistic movie ever? Yes. Yeah, it's. Like, it's like I, a, I hate that movie. It's, it's a movie. That, a lot of people love it, and, dude, and to those people, classic. I say I am glad that you enjoy that movie. Please continue enjoying it. I would rather drink paint than watch that film again. <laughs> the thing is, is that it. it it's it's a historical period piece that has nothing to do with the history or the of the period that it was in. It's it's and, dress up. It's yeah, you know, and that happens a lot in film. You got Romeo and Juliet where they moved it to L.A. Oh, but that's totally different, right? I mean, that, uh, no, I mean, I'm that's saying like totally that's a different, different example. But there there's a lot of that in film where they take a story like Othello and they redress it for a modern sure era. sure um you know uh, Titus Andronicus was another one I watched with Anthony Hopkins that they had taken and they had like weirded it all out um and it was kind of fun oh right um, I mean you're 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 talking about some really arty kind right, of stuff those though. are really arty you can do that well is it my point like no, you it can, can do be it done. terribly it can't be um, done but you can do it well as well so that's not necessarily a strike against it it's just if you're have something to say Dude, if you're going uh, to do yeah, it, have exactly. your own voice. I mean, you don't just do it because you're like, well, Fight Club's cool, and I'm cool, and I want to do cool things, so I'm going to cool it up by doing or, that. Have something that you want to say. Have a reason for doing it. Like, like and here's here's my thing. Here's my like my, my little two cents here. If I'm I'm going to be kind of preachy here, but but don't be lazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if, that, if, that is a good point. If it you're, is kind of laziness. If you're if you're thinking about like, oh well, the Project Mayhem from from Fight Club inspires me. Then what about it? What was it trying to say? How did it make you feel? What story is it trying to tell? How can you tell a story like that within the confines of the vampire genre? Don't just lift Not even whole vampire, cloth. Though, just werewolf, or wraith, you know, the, okay, the hunter, world of darkness, any I mean, of that, world you know, of darkness. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. And you don't have to have antagonists who are super badasses, like in uh, Unbreakable, which is a film I love. I love uh, that movie. The guy is not a badass. Um, Mr. Glass is made out of glass, but yeah. he is an amazing antagonist. Yeah, he's really good. Um, and he just comes in, and you know that that moment of realization at the end is is great. You know, M Night Shyamalan's kind of fallen off <laughs> since he's done that, but that was a really great film. You know, I love I rem- that. Film. I remember being in the movie theater when that was when that was new and having um. People have like laugh at at awkward points in the movie, like obviously spots that weren't supposed to be humorous. People were laughing out loud, 
So I think that that movie was like misunderstood right from the very beginning. Uh, yeah, I, I, looking back on it, I though, think we understood it because we're comic fans. Yeah, like, we were comic fans and we loved it. And there was a large movie going audience that didn't understand the tropes of comics, didn't understand what he was doing with it. But but now that comics are a thing, I think people can go back and look at that movie again and realize how brilliant it was. Yeah, it really was. It was a well done film, and I I still enjoy it. I still really love it. Um, but yeah, you can. You can do a lot of stuff with antagonists. There's a lot of weird things you can do, too. If you really want to invest some time into making antagonists, you can make the characters themselves the antagonists, like in 12 Monkeys and in, like, uh, Memento, you know what I mean? Where it's just the character themselves was the antagonist in that movie. I've been talking to my friend over in England, Jamie, a lot about um, about classic like Vampire the Masquerade. We're talking, like, it's what we consider to be the classic Vampire the Masquerade. We're talking, like, second edition core book. And he and I have been talking about how, like, we really think that that was, like, the, the, the golden era of the Masquerade game. And that if we were to run the game again, we'd really be wanting to do, like, second edition, seven clans, Camarilla, don't know other outside stuff. We had that, that discussion, no, though, I not remember, long ago, where I we remember, said there was no golden was era. There was no golden era. I remember. Don't don't worry. But. I think we can we can make it into a golden era. We can take what we liked and shape that into what we remember it as being or what we thought it was. And to that extent, I will say yes, absolutely. There's that gothic punk aesthetic, and if you really nail it, um, then yes, you have that golden era that we misremember. But the, you really have to sit down and do it. And you have to be very clear with your player characters that that's what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. You can't have them roll in and be like, well, I want to be this guy and I'm going to like have a soul, uh, whatever, soul stealer. Soul, soul drinker. Yeah, soul drinker is riding me and I'm just like, and I'm infested with the kids. Like, you can't. <laughs> you, yeah. have to, you have to be very clear about, okay, so what I want to do is I want to, you know, run like that gritty you know, early nineties, mid ninety, like I want to, I want the hunger or, you know, if I guess we want to be more violent near dark or whatever, like I want to have that kind of experience. I want to have this gritty, but, but know, the, the, the direction, the, the direction I was going, we're going with this line this course of logic is that I think that the guy, I don't remember his name. It's like the, he's the lead storyteller of, of white wolf, the newly reformed white wolf out of paradox. And he talks about how, when vampire started, it started out as an art house game. And then he he what he labeled was exalted ended its slow death march into being just a bunch of <laughs> he, he says exalted was that was was where they all went off track and became that's like, hilarious it's true I, I think he's really I, right I agree with him but I know so many exalted fans who is pissed off so to just, hear that just, just punch it right would, in the dick for saying ah, I'm, yeah I'm gonna tear but, this burn the building down but in that second edition era when it was still an art house game the idea was. That you were the antagonist. You were your own antagonist. You right, and your, the beast you're slide I the into beast your beast. I, I become. Yeah, I, exactly. I that's get a, it. That's um, a completely legitimate course of. Um, it is. The players have to buy in. You have yeah, to have the players yeah. willing to do the lifting. Yeah. And that's where you start running into issues. Is are the players going to do the lifting to get you that experience? Are they willing to be the hmm. bad guys? Are they willing to be their own antagonists? Right, and if you look at those and other... And that is where Wraith, I think, exactly. worked because it had another player being your antagonist on behalf of you. That said, <laughs> yeah. every Wraith game I ever played and collapsed in on itself super fast because they didn't know how to handle it. Nobody knew how to handle it. Right. Everybody's just, how do I deal with this? And then they would they would go bestial. They'd go feral so fast that everybody would just tear each other apart and rip the game to shreds. And it will be interesting to see how they confront that in the um, 20th anniversary edition because at this point, the devs have to know that. They must know that by now. That that is the legacy of that game, which is just like this Lord of the Flies like downward spiral into madness. I would have thought like, they'd have known that when they did Revised, but man, they when they put out Revised, they seemed to mistake... Uh, vampire and gothic punk for superheroes with machine guns uh yeah and you know yeah. it's not there were some there was some good stuff to come out of revised i don't want to bag on revised too much yeah. um but i really felt like they didn't understand what they were doing or they didn't know what they were working with it felt like a totally different game to i me. think that they changed their minds about what they were working with i think that they saw what people liked and they took it in a different direction yeah you know? I mean, I, and i only bag on for... revised and vampire so much because it's the game i know the most i i didn't play very exactly. much werewolf i didn't play very much mage 
I played Some Wraith, and like I, I said, I it collapsed in on itself regularly. I haven't played Mage since I was like seriously in high school, and I was I would wonder what it would be. Like. I mean, I haven't played Mage the Ascension. The last Mage game I played was Ben Bailey was running it actually. See, so that is that, that shows was, how long it's yeah, been, from right? FMRPG, yeah, that was a long time ago. That was the last time that, and I I divested myself of all those books. I, would, I had a a fairly complete collection and i was just i loved the idea of mage but the execution for me was always very hit or miss at mostly dude, miss. dude it's that game is really hard to run and that's one of the reasons why i want to pick up it's hard one, to play I, I want to pick up one of those 20th anniversary mage books and, and you're a better and man than i goes. am i'm not willing to shell out like 50 bucks to, dude, to 50 see bucks? if they could make it work well whatever it is 70 70 dollars for a for a an all-in-one all-in-one book I balk, but like I've I've wasted near that much on like terrible video games, so I I shouldn't. <laughs> I, I, shouldn't. I, I should support what they're trying to do. I sh- I should support the effort and the craft they're putting behind. There'll it. be a lot of great art in there, no doubt. There should be, and, and it's not necessarily even just about the art. Like there's effort, even even a bad book. Somebody sat down and wrote and made cups of coffee and agonized over plot points and and typed it all out. Right, like even the crappiest you know most derivative piece of garbage like <laughs> somebody put time and energy into i as a creative type i, I call myself that's kind of that's oh, probably stop. that's probably arrogant but anyway no. oh as my god this guy he's so work, self-effacing as ridiculous. somebody who's done creative work i should respect that process if nothing else this guy's so creative guy don't listen to this guy guys he's he, this guy's fucking amazing he's just he anyway we can start the mutual appreciation society now <laughs> each other on the back <laughs> We haven't talked about environment as antagonists yet. Environment at all. is a great antagonist. So yes, environments, um, forces of nature as antagonists. Yeah, and that can be something like a flood, or you know, um, like in Dark Sun, the environment is an sure. antagonist. It's just sure. the relentless heat just beating on you, the yeah. drought. As, um, as 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 residents of Phoenix, Arizona, we can right. both like <laughs> easily out, like. I live in Dark Sun during six yeah. months of the year. It's it is Dark Sun out here. Um, so there's and yet we still have golf courses everywhere. Uh, everywhere. Every, everywhere. Um Gary Oldman, the professional, channeling him there. Um so we have we have the environment. And then there's just things like biblical plagues or like plagues of zombies. There's no there's nothing driving that, right? It's just it's it's a situation. You're in a situation where the environment, the the area you're in is has pitted itself against you and your survival and is trying to do you in when when i when i run vampire in particular i like to imagine the um city that you're in as a character i i sit down when i'm writing the npcs and i make sure that i address the city and what the character of the city is and i think that the city should be working against you it really so the city really is a character and i think a lot of that you know comes down to that time because during the time that you and I were growing up, we had bands like um, red hot chili peppers and guns and roses. And they sang about their city, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, oh, as though true. it was a living, breathing thing. And you had that's a lot true. of guys singing about, um, you know, uh, in the Midwest, we had like Bob Seger. Nobody probably knows who the fuck that is. They sing about the well. environment and the city and the area that they're in. Bruce Springsteen as a living, breathing thing, you know, like it's, it is, it is an antagonist. It is, you're pitting yourself against it. You're, yeah. you know, it's a, just a small town boy <laughs> born and raised in South Detroit. Fun fact. I lived, um, within walking distance of the, um, the bridge that Anthony Kiedis was singing about in Under the Bridge. When oh, I was really? In Los Angeles. I walked. Nice. I walked past the bridge um, uh, every day on my way to the bus. The and I guess the, the song was about him doing heroin in MacArthur oh, okay. Park. And it's like, and it, MacArthur Park they've cleaned it up quite a bit since. There's then. that whole song about MacArthur Park too, and the cake left out in the rain, and it, it, yeah. it's still it's still uh, not a great place to be, but it's not quite as ugly as it used to be. Right. Uh, well, I grew up in the Midwest, and I will tell you, like, when I was growing up, every fiber of my being was like, I have to get the fuck out of here <laughs> and go see the world, because if I see another fucking cornfield, I will end myself. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, so just, you know, in that case, boredom was my antagonist. I don't recommend running a game where boredom is the antagonist, but... <laughs> but boredom is all of our antagonists. It is an antagonist for everyone. That's why we do what we do, right? That's why we tell stories. That's why we get together and play. I um, started a game last night. I ran it as a one-off, and I just invited just randoms on my Facebook, like, hey, I haven't gamed with you in a million years. Come down to my house. Let's play Vampire. And really what I was trying to do was, um, like, Heather has been looking for more, like, experience role-playing. And so um, she's been wanting me to do one-offs with her. And I'm like, I don't know what it is. I just have this, like, visceral aversion to the idea of doing a one-off. So I, really? I Yeah, I don't know. Not, no, no, not, not one-offs. One-on-ones. One-on-ones. Oh, one-on-ones. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I was conflating those things. I don't – it's weird. It feels I mean, weird. I, can, I do them as downtime episodes, like for people, like really easily. I think I find it. I find that really fun. But the idea of like doing a campaign that is going to be like a one-on-one, I just was like, I, I, I just, I, I agreed to do it because we went, we went to the, we went to that place. She, she kills monsters, and a lot of it is about a person doing a one-on-one D and D session with somebody, and then and they're finding out a lot about this person who wrote a module. Anyway, right. without getting too deep into that. When we're walking out of the play, Heather turns to me and she goes, "See, the DM and that did a one-on-one for her." And I was like, "Okay, fine. I'll do it. I'll do something Requiem. She has the Requiem Second Edition book. She's really it's like her favorite game that she's like like most kind of interested in." Right. And um, I think I'll okay, we'll do Requiem. But then like over the course of the week, I just I was like jumping out of my skin at the idea. So I like put made a Facebook invite and invited for like like ten or twenty people or something. Yeah. Managed to end up getting like five people to come sit. And uh, we, we, I, I ran a version of a game that had taken place in Los Angeles, only this time it was going to be in Phoenix. And so I was kind of like building Phoenix as an environment. We didn't even get to most of the, um, most of the uh, kind of like, uh, well, what are the effects of heat and like how long our day is and stuff. Because right. I, I, start, I always start out people as humans. Um, I has built some antagonists... Um, because okay, this is Arizona, and if you're in Arizona and you take issue with this, then I don't, I don't mean to ruffle your feathers. I, I call it like I see it. And we are also talking about the world of darkness, Phoenix. It's not actual Phoenix, so. I think I see where you're going already. Uh, out here in Arizona, we have a lot of racists. We oh, like there lot, we go. We have a yep. lot. We have a lot of racist, racist guys. And um, so you're, you're not wrong. I, 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 I I'm, I'm lowering my head slowly and sadly. <laughs> as a as a um as a group, I had decided to create a, a group of antagonists because it was supposed to be kind of like a crime, a crime, have a crime feel to it. And so I wanted the um, kind of like gun runners that the um characters were purchasing their equipment from to be a group of neo-Nazis. And and that's not even that like outlandish for around here because A, we have these militiamen types yeah, like that are like everywhere. And, yeah, and yeah. they all and they have these associations with white supremacists. And they, they just flat out are white supremacists. Some of them just are flat out white supremacists. Time. Some of them have relationships. So I put together a white supremacist group that was that, that uh was um trafficking in firearms. And um I had wanted these guys to be like real sicko, f- like fucks, like just like the worst. And I had detailed their compound with a bunch of little secrets in it, thinking that maybe the players might go out there and kind of like get kind of drawn into their web. And the, the, we might even do the whole session as them kind of like having to interact with these guys and how fucking weird and terrible they are from being like kind of like survivalists who are out in the sticks, you know? Right. And uh, they ended up being, like, the most level-headed characters in the, um, the whole game because the players just went out there and basically did this, like, very capitalistic transaction. The whole, like, well, do you have grenade launchers? And the guys were like, yeah, I guess we have grenade launchers. They're like, how much are they? And they're like, well, they're this many dollars. And I'm like, okay, here you go. It was just like, it was like, it was like there was no antipathy. There was, like, nothing. I just felt like I had these, like, Nazi characters. I, like, created these, like... I created these scumbag Nazis that were supposed to be the worst, and then they ended up coming off like like very like decent, easy to get along with. Chums. Like I said, players can be the antagonists sometimes. They can be the bad guys, and it's it's up to you to decide: do I roll with that or what do I do with it? Like yeah. if they are being awful, if they are objectively being terrible human beings, I don't know. Like if they're having fun with it, I guess that's one thing. I yeah, I I, I think that the it's um, hard to say. Like it. it 
what one of the things that happened is that the players decided to split the party. So they had one character who was who was ethnic. That's always that, a good idea to split the party. And then that guy just said, "Oh, well, I'm not going to go to the meet with the Nazis to get the guns because that will cause problems." Right. Which was my thought is right. that it would cause problems yeah, and then that would and turn then into a would, thing. Yeah. Whoa, sorry. So then how um, did they find out they were Nazis ahead of time? Did you telegraph that or? They made a uh, um, a streetwise check. Oh, okay. And they were like, "Oh, well, who are these people?" See, that would have been and one then, of those things I would that I think maybe you should have just sprung on them in the moment. You know, like they could have been. They've been like, "Who the fuck is this?" You know, and yeah, like, that would have been a good moment, like some tension, because you could have got well. They it, depending, I guess, depending on how well they did on their check. Yeah, I mean, well, they did really well. Okay, um, well, it was, then, yeah, it was, I guess it was, you're kind of screwed by that. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, because you can't just obfuscate that kind of information because we'll like, oh, hold on i rolled five successes and i couldn't find out these guys are like raging fucking yeah. nazis you'd be like well i needed it for the scene <laughs> yeah that's hard like how do you reward them for rolling well i mean but they, at the same time get them to where you need the them story. to be. Yeah, maintain the story so, so oh, that i mean sucks. that's hard yeah and the thing is is that uh I had fun with the session. It wasn't like it wasn't like I wasn't like you know reinventing role playing or anything. But um, it was a it was a fun session. And um, Heather and I can continue it one on one. I'll let the guys know that it's still going on. I'll put up little invites like who wants to come play this fucking game? You know, cool. Um, maybe, maybe it'll even turn into a chronicle or something down the way. But like, uh, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't right. like a, it wasn't like a piece of shit. Which like the last the last couple of things I've done have just been pieces of shit that well, I want to kill myself. Yeah, some of them weren't necessarily your fault. Some of them were eh. things got derailed by. Yeah, I don't know. And, the buck stops here. You know what I'm saying? It does, but there's stuff that always happens that that is outside of your control. I mean, you know, if I sit down at a gaming table and there's a player there and they start making a bunch of off color remarks, you know, Oh, do I own that? Or are they oh, responsible for no. that? Yeah. They're um, responsible for that. Ultimately, yeah. you know, I, I guess it would be up to me if I allowed it to continue and I didn't go like, Hey, right. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's tough to make those calls in the heat of the moment though. Cause there's always been stuff that happens around the gaming table. That's uncomfortable. And it's a question of do I stop everyone and address it now, or do I and embarrass this person, or do I do it one on one later? Here's 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 something that I want to like. Well, this is a different. This is a tough subject for a different episode. But I, I'm making a commitment to stop having a couple of beers while I am playing. Because, That's a good idea. <laughs> because like because your mean, inhibitions get lowered, and it's then... not that. It's that I'm not as sharp as I used to be. I used to go into these. I mean, I'm older, so I don't think on my feet as quick as I used to anyway. But um, I used to be as a storyteller to be like fucking laser sharp, just fucking just just cutting cutting fools like lightsabers. And now it's like I'm sitting there, and it's like I've had one or two, and I'm kind of like, oh, what should I do? And I'm like, yeah, and I can tell. I'm not. I'm not drunk. I'm not playing drunk. I'm, uh, 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 but yeah. like, I'm not. I'm not 100%. And the game is only going to be as good as I am. And uh, if I'm if I'm setting the the top at like say 89%, then the I will game... tell you the players have an awful lot of responsibility in there too, though, because I've had players at my table who've who've had a few or, or tied it on or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. And they're oh, I'm going to stab this guy in the face. And, oh. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's because it's what I want to do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, all right, I, I guess. I mean, to be totally honest, back in the day, we never used to drink at the table. You know, I I remember there was a time when well, I was we complete... were like seventeen. No, we even when even when table. we could drink at the table, and those I games would... are terrible, but for different reasons. There was this time when I when I forbid it, I yeah. forbade drinking at the table, and then over the over the years, it's become this kind of custom where it's like, oh yeah, we all have a couple beers while we're playing, and now. And now it's I, I feel like it's affecting my storytelling, which means I have to fucking dial it back. Right. Because if I want to get to the level that I want to, and then I have to I have to. It depends on what your objective is. Man. I I don't know. I was always Dude. out to have fun running games and have fun playing in games. It's I. It just depends. It's I, a social lubricant for sure, and it's it's definitely a crutch. But I'm all about that um, full immersion. Hardcore storytelling. I want people to walk away from the table being like, whoa, like, whoa. And the last few games I've run, nobody has been like, has had that feeling. And I haven't had that feeling. And I just want to get back to it. And that means I have to, like, 
like make sure that those delightful amber suds are right. like not available to <laughs> well, me. I can't one. fault you for that. That's, you know, I'll have one after. It's legit. Yeah. You know, I'll have one after. Yeah, I can't um, fault you for that. So these so these neo Nazis are not out of the picture. They're not out of the picture. The next session they're gonna come back. And Heather, if you're listening to this you probably that, that that's cluing you in on what's what's going to happen. But but um I will make these guys the shit heels that they absolutely are. They, they by the end of this, the players are going to really hate these dudes. They're really going to hate them. All right, that's I, good. I promise they, that. They should. You should. You should have an antagonist that they want to thwart. They don't necessarily need to hate them, but they definitely need to want to stop them. Yeah, yeah, and they will. They'll get there. These ones in particular, I want them to hate. I choose them. I choose these ones as being ones that they that, that they hate for not necessarily not necessarily like ones that are super horror inducing. But ones that are hated, more realistic horror. Yeah, like exactly. Like Dolores from Harry Potter, where you're like, "Oh, I've dealt with someone like that. Like, I I hate her because I know her. Like, she I mean, is, she is an authority figure that you know that I hate because I've dealt with a person like that. I guess what I'm kind of like trying to trade in with these guys is that kind of like kind of like the way that Garth Ennis portrays this very distorted underbelly of the American dream mm. sometimes. Yeah, and preacher and exactly. And like, punisher exactly like like these guys by the end will become like absurd and obscene caricatures but but i do hope that the um that the players will hate them well woman (laughs) hope they're not just fighting waving the stormfront flag oh you know if they they, (laughs) that would be terrible i shouldn't laugh but that would be that it's so absurd i have to laugh no because i I can see a player character going I could see player characters choosing to go down that route. Sure. Well, it's my well, character. Well, remember oh, there was that whole thing in Get a Fenris in the in the Get yeah, a Fenris yeah, like players yeah, guide. Yeah, racist Get a Fenris. Yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, this this is an entire sect of uh, mm-hmm. of skinhead Get a Fenris. It was an entire was like, sect, but there was a yeah, there was definitely a sub. Yeah. Which really turned me off because I, you know, I was like, oh, well, I have that kind of heritage. I'm descended from that. And then I read, I was like, well, I don't want anything to do with those guys. Yeah, I mean, I was that a, entire that, that entire tribe. That was an option in a game that was already very kind of like racially muddled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Red Talons were definitely, you know, wolf supremacists, and but that that was easier to see and relate to, I guess. But yeah. Well, so do you feel like you've uh, said everything you wanted to say? I feel like we've covered a, a good swath of antagonists. Um, if we've missed anything, feel free to let us know. Yeah, I, do indeed. I think it was a good discussion. We covered a lot of different stuff that you can do with it. You know, have fun with your antagonists. Um, do what you want with them. Make them memorable. You know, beg, borrow, steal if you have to. Yeah. Um, you know, just try not to telegraph too much. <laughs> I'm I, your antagonist, Mr. <laughs> player character. I I had fun talking. I hope that you guys had fun listening. Um, I I know at this point it's kind of come back to me via the interwebs and stuff. There are some people who are running games out there that are kind of like like inspired by some of the stuff that we've talked about. Um, do let us know how these games are going. If there is one thing a GM loves, it is hearing about another GM's game. Let us live vicariously through you like a parasite in your brain, controlling your movements. I just got to know what other people are doing. I love it because I love hearing about the shit I didn't think up. Um, This one's going out specifically to you, Darren, and and you're all wizard out of the Abyss game because... What the fuck, man? That's inspired. Big I guess. ups to, to Darren. I don't yeah, know no you, Darren, shit. but good luck with uh, many, many wizards. Dude, I think that's such a boss idea. I love it. Anyway, all right. So uh, this is Shadow Sworn Radio Hour uh, signing off. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you.